turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. They willingly, they willingly stay there. Well, but I mean, some people, not as people, many of them as well, usual. People are, are used to what they're used to, and they're not comfortable leaving. And that's that's just a reality with a lot of us. But then a lot of it, some of them are getting getting paid pretty well too. I tell you what, if you dro- go try to buy some land in the Ozarks right now, <laughs> there's a friend of mine that lives in All Red, Arkansas. Now I doubt if very many listeners. That's but, fifteen well, miles north of Clinton, Arkansas. No, wait a second. <laughs> Arkansas has been all red since 2010. Yeah, I know it. But on his street, he has two people from L.A. that's moved in the last year. He's had someone from Chicago move in the last year. He's down a dirt road in all red Arkansas, and the the whole road is lined up with people from Los Angeles, Chicago, all the Democratic series. Does he talk to them? Oh, yeah, yeah. He invited them all over from Christ, and he brought them all over for Thanksgiving and, and had them all over over to welcome them to arkansas what was yeah. it like well i haven't heard the specific comments but he said you know the it's the homeless people the cost of living yeah. uh taxes and the lack not, of freedom to live their they lives the way they want to for the same people who destroyed california and drove them away but they probably well, will. Well, we had a, those are able to vote for the for the squishy so-called conservatives here. Yeah, well, yeah. I tell you what, the you know in Arkansas right now the big debate is the Democrats are picking in the primaries what so-called conservatives that we get. So the Republicans that we get to go to the Capitol are largely picked by the Democrats crossing over to vote in the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. And right now that's the buzz well, in the Republican that, committee is how do we uh, have closed primaries? Oh, the closed primaries, the state committee. Uh, meeting for the winter was this weekend. Yeah, what did and, say? and there was a uh, a rules change proposed that the rules committee uh, the rules committee denounced it and said that uh, they weren't going to set it forward, but it got set forward anyway. It took two thirds of uh, votes to have it put on the floor. And uh, what what it, had to be put on the floor? What exactly did they say? We were putting on the floor closed primaries that you had to be registered as a Republican there you go. to vote, and the Republican primary was put on the floor. Uh, all the establishment is against it, and all the elected officials that I could tell are against it. But uh, there was. I think there was 204 people there. It took 137 people to pass to, to get it to propose to, to move put it on, on to move it on to get put on the uh, agenda. Okay, and we got 120 votes uh, out of 137. So damn. the majority are for it. But really, it looks like that we may have to back up to crossover voting to start with. I think it would have passed to say that people registered as a Democrat cannot vote in the Republican election. Because right now in Arkansas, the vast majority, like 60% of the people, are just like – 
uh, are not listed as Republican or the Democrat. Independent. Independent. And uh, it's largely because when you buy your driver's license, they're supposed to ask you how you want to register. I don't know what the state DMV has to do with it. But right now, they're not asking the question most of the time. And most people are not registered. In Lone Oak County, like 20% of people are are registered as Republican. Do you know? Ten percent are registered as a Democrat, and everybody else because they don't get asked is just uh, guess. Yeah, guess what I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So uh, we've got some education to do. We've got to get people registered how they really vote. But uh, we need to get at least crossover voting passed, or we're, we're going to uh, keep getting I, I think, less than rhinos. I think it's kind of a weird idea to to allow just everybody to engage in party politics with taxpayer dollars, which is what what's happening in the primary. Is that we've got taxpayers paying for the um, primary voting system, which ought to be a, a private thing anyway. Well, that's one of the things they said. Well, if we do this, we may have to start paying for our own primaries, and that would cost millions of dollars. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, be, uh, I'd be okay so with every candidate also I having to collect that, signatures. So uh, that's one of the big arguments against it from the establishment is we might have to go back to paying for our own primaries. Yeah, and they or don't or do just that. go ahead and do caucuses. If we want fewer so-called moderate Republicans you know, on the ballot now, that's kind of what we have to do is make it so Democrats can't go in and vote and try to put in those quote-unquote moderate Republicans. Yeah. It's like, what's a moderate Republican? Any Republican the mainstream media gives complimentary coverage of as a moderate Republican. That's like the Mitt Romney's, the ones you know you can't trust if the media is nice to them. Any, any Republican who will not agree with the state platform is not a Republican. Yeah. I'm sorry. They're not a Republican. You know, if you asked them, said, well, what do you think about our uh, pro-life uh, uh, platform? They said, well, I don't buy it. Then don't vote for them. They're not a Republican. If they give you that, you know, reach across the aisle song and dance stuff. Yeah, do like, not right. buy it. Then, yeah, you <laughs> don't you, vote on why that. Why would you reach across the aisle? Yeah, yeah. I agree. They want establish principles and then fight for those principles. Right. If it means that's what the platform is. If it means pulling in Supposedly. Democrats, pulling Democrats, but you don't reach across the aisle and compromise your principles. Exactly. And and um, just so you can include Democrats, when Democrats are what about six percent of the six pop- percent of the majority or the the, the um, population in the Senate and the House right now, or you maybe know, not six percent, maybe ten percent. I don't know. Randy Alexander got beaten Fayetteville. Randy Alexander had a very good voting record, and I would consider him a conservative. In in my definition of the word, which there are many, but uh, uh, he knows people were tweeting to go uh, among the democrats to get out and vote against him so what the establish what even the establishment does in in uh, little rock on either side if they need to get third person to pass their agenda in they cut deals across the aisles to get each party to cross over and vote for the other party to get the person they need to get their agenda passed up there randy alexander was not a a team player when it comes down to voting he voted on his principles and on the platform and wasn't always a scratch your back and i'll you know scratch my back and i'll scratch yours kind of a player so uh he got beat and and i know from 
from different sources that uh, that one side asked the other side to get out and vote for the other guy. Oh yeah, that that went all all on across the United States in the last uh, midterm election uh, when they were having their primaries. <clears throat> excuse me, Democrats were voting for certain Republicans who they thought would have a better chance of being beaten by their yeah. Democrat challengers. Uh, when the the vote came up. So uh, that's something that we need to consider. The big thing I think you need to consider is just ask the question, do you you follow the platform? And get yourself a copy of the platform. I understand we're going to go back to have the little uh, booklets again that have the platform in it so that you can see exactly what it says because you need I'm going to tell you what the Republican Party and we got a new chairman now by the way Cody uh, is now the Cody chairman Highland. and uh, Highland and, and that's good because as much as I like the lady who's sitting there right now she didn't do nothing she just sat on her hands as far as I'm concerned well, uh, Cody was was uh, Cody Highland. He was sworn in this weekend. Yeah, so he was sworn in at this meeting. Got to get him on this week. And uh, hey, we got a new governor coming in. We've got a new chairman of the party. The executive and, committee's got a new chairman. Did you hear, Seth? Yeah, I heard Seth. How did he? How did he do that? No, I'm just kidding. You know, I've been following Seth's career since he started, and I'm glad to hear that he's in that position now. So, uh, so we have high hopes. Whenever uh, you know the telltale sign is, the, I'm asking the representatives who's going to have the school choice bill, and they're all saying that that the governor's going to do it, and they have she has some good I'm people on it. their on, on her staff. So, whenever the school choice bill comes out, we're pretty well going to know what we got when we read it. That lady, the lady that's on her staff right now from Arizona, keep your eye on her. I'll talk about that in just a moment. It's 18 minutes after 6, and she's a good one. I'm just telling you, she uh, she worked uh, for the governor um, as a uh, – what was it? She was a sec- uh, assistant uh, secretary, I think, and uh, did a great job. And uh, Ducey, the governor of uh, Arizona, said they went from 0 to 100 in one session. I mean, they went from – no school choice to wide open universal school choice in one session. Someone to rally all the others to find their courage to speak up. Yeah, let's hope so. We'll talk about it. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Elon Musk. (laughs) Man, he's got the Democrats and the lefties going crazy. I'm loving it. 16, what is it? 619, take a break, come back, do more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. RD's here. Paul's here. We've got... uh, What's your name again, sir? Mark. Mark, yeah, Pellegrini is here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. Doesn't sound like it's fun out on the roads this morning. Take your time. It's a little bit uh, damp out there. It's slick. Cold, wet, and dark, you know. It's perfecta. It's amazing how many lights they have turned off on the highways. I mean, seriously. It's dark out there. It's pitch black in some areas out there. You're driving along. When I come to work here, I come from from Cabot, I come down Highway 5, and I'm telling you, there's some places on Highway 5 that's darker than dark. I mean, it is dark, dark, dark. 
You yeah, ever it's come amazing. back from Pine Bluff at three in the morning and how just how like what would you? Why would you be in Pine Bluff at three o'clock in the morning? Oh right. Oh my gosh. Where were you at? So, uh, so Tim lives down. Oh, in Pine you went Bluff. to see yes, Tim. But, okay. Uh, we do these road trips like uh, this week, and we're going to be in Biloxi, and so we get back to Pine Bluff. You know, at who knows what time? Sometimes it'll be three a.m., and then I got to make the trip from Pine Bluff back to Little Rock, and so I'm out there just in pitch darkness. <laughs> no, it's not too bad if you if all you had to do is get on what is it five forty? Yeah, I mean, all I'm scared of are deer. You know, I don't want one of those. Jumping yeah, in front of yeah. Me. That's not a good way to go hunting. Well, yeah. you, <laughs> you, you have a seat available for them there in the front yeah just I'll, I'll try to load him into the the trunk of my toyota yaris yeah he's, he probably a, weighs more than my car it, it's just it, it's just not very convenient for them to enter the car through the windshield exactly right <laughs> all right so we were talking just a moment ago let's let's go back and, and talk about what does our uh platform say well the platform dealing with education has changed big time man sitting right across from me, Artie Hopper, who's part of the show, he had a, a lot to say about that. Why don't you bring a little bit of, a, of that up, Artie, about what you guys changed? Well, one thing on the Republican platform before we changed it uh, this year said one of the statements in the platform said that, that legislators and teachers would make decisions about children with the parents in mind. Now, that was kind of a slap in the face yeah. to me whenever I read that. Kind of a, a, uh, it was kind of on the back burner here. We'll, we'll, we'll right. think about so, you. And, now, now the current platform says that parents and students should have all the information that they need to pick the school of their choice. And they should be able to pick any school they want, whether it be a private school, vocational school, or charter school, any school of their choice. Uh, just provide the parents and the teachers the information. They'll make the decision and their tax dollars, their per day tax dollars for the children's education should follow them to the school of their choice, no matter what their income or zip code is. So you're asking for the parents and students just to receive information and anybody who'd be against that, you know, that you can tell they're not a good person. If they're like, no, they shouldn't have that kind of information about what school they, they might want to take their kids to. They can't decide on their own that's wrong <laughs> exactly well, so that's, we were that's, that's in socialism for you yeah, exactly so yeah. we, we don't trust you with this so no. we were trying to empower parents and and a lot of people let's say a lot of people don't have the choice to send their kids to uh you know big private schools that are very expensive but having that money with the way the internet is today there's very many good schools out there very much good school curriculum for homeschooling You've got the Abeka homeschooling, and you have Liberty University in Virginia, which is an awesome school, which you can do K-12 through 12 through Liberty University, which is a good Christian school with excellent curriculum. So with, with this freedom, if we can get this platform into law, this freedom could empower parents to get the best education for the child instead of the child having to be fit in the same box as their neighbor is fit But how in. will Democrats get elected if they don't have the school system <laughs> they don't have a for them? Yeah. Right. If they don't have, if well, they don't have children immersed I mean, into socialism. Just, just imagine this. So the, the dollars follow the students and their parents and stay with the family, and then they choose which school they're going to go to. Imagine that we're going to have a lot of schools now who have to compete with each other to earn the, uh, the attendance of the child, the approval of the parents. They're going to have to change their curriculums. They're going to have to end their indoctrination. They're going to actually 
actually try it. It'll be like a consumer culture. They're they gonna might have, have to try to fire yeah, that some. That would be bad. amazing, yeah. wouldn't it? They might have to fire some loser teachers. Exactly. They, they may have to improve, you know, the the quality of the content that they're teaching. Sure. And, and yeah, so that's uh, and some of the teachers may be afraid of this because well, oh, yeah. pe- kid, pe- parents will pull their kids out of public schools. Good. Yeah. Parents might actually want to know what their children are being taught right. when they have a choice. And people you know, are against that. They don't want the, look, parents know parents are, are not going to pull their children out of their public school system if the public school system is reflecting what they want to be taught in the public school system. They're not wanting CRT. They're not wanting a lot of, you know, 619 and all this other crap and, and uh, you know, the guys dressed up like women and dancing stuff and all irrelevant that. to education we yeah we yeah. Don't, don't want that stuff you know i talked to someone this weekend that had a grandchild in farmington schools and they were letting the children get their school pictures taken with their cat ears and stuff on because they identify as an animal and they actually do have litter boxes at school and they let the kids have their yearbook right, that's taken with a that's with their paraphernalia on. Yeah, I, at least I'll give credit <laughs> to Dr. Thurman and Cabot for not allowing litter boxes to be brought into but the school system. If you want a sign of what's coming, Biden said publicly that if people don't get to use the bathroom according to the gender that they identify with, that they would take school lunches from children that can't afford to buy their lunch. Sounds reasonable. Did did, did our president not say that? Yes, he did. Uh, Sounds reasonable. That's where the schools are going. Do we want to be proactive and have it to where they start taking the food away from the kids that can't afford to buy their lunch if the People don't get to pick, you know, uh, what bathrooms they wanted to, no matter what kind of equipment they were born with. If we keep making up new genders, the school's going to be nothing but bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So so the thing – so so, so what what else should we expect from a socialist slash communist party, though? If you don't comply, we're going to take away away your food. Always remember – what Jefferson said and others have said and repeated what he has said for years and years. If the government is big enough to give you everything, the government is big enough to take everything away from you. Look at China right now. They have the QR codes that are attached to every every citizen. If your QR code scans yellow, and you have to have it scanned every day, but if it scans yellow, you're blocked from going to the supermarket, you're blocked from going to the gas station, and in some cases you're blocked from even leaving your home in China. And then and there was that apartment fire, I think it was uh, last week, where it was all these people who were quarantined in their apartment building and in China. And they let them burn, they let the them burn to death. They couldn't get out of their apartment building. They were all locked wow. in, and they all roasted alive. Okay, wow. got to take government. a break. Got to take a break. Got the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, thanks a lot, Aaron. We appreciate it. 25 minutes until 7 o'clock on a Monday. That's, what is today? Today is, what, the 5th? The 5th, yes, it's the 5th, because... Wednesday is Pearl Harbor Day, the 7th. Don't forget about it, okay? Don't forget about it. All right, I want to go back and, and talk a little further about what we've been talking about, and that is we've got an, a new General Assembly that will meet in the beginning of January. January 9th is the first day that they'll meet. Uh, we will meet over at the Capitol to do the show live uh, on uh, the uh, what is this, the ninth? Uh, make it the sixteenth. Uh, day after Martin Luther King Day, we'll be there live. We'll be 
from that point on, uh, for at least six weeks, we'll be there every Tuesday and Thursday because that's when most of the work gets done. All right. Yeah, Monday they get there, but they, you know, they got to get things warmed up up a little bit, you know. Then Tuesday do work, Wednesday do work, Thursday do work, Friday maybe a quick vote, and then they're out of there. Yeah, they go home. They're not, they're not doing much on Friday. And you know, they have to go home because they're businessmen. They got to get home and run their businesses and things of that nature. So we'll keep you up to date what's going on over at the uh, uh, the state capitol beginning in the about the third week of. September. I do know on the very first day that we do the show, uh, Doyle Webb's going to join me over there, and we're going to have a couple other people that have uh, served as a senator or as a congressman, have been behind the curtain, and can kind of talk about what's going on behind the curtain because Mm -hmm. they're a little hesitant at times if they're behind the curtain to talk what goes on behind the curtain. I hear some of it, but it's all Dave, this off the record. You know, and then they'll tell me something. Well, you say that they don't work uh, that much on Friday, but Friday afternoon is when they pass the unpopular legislation, you know, the unpopular votes that they don't want people to know about because they don't pay attention on the weekends. So. No, a lot well, of times uh, that's true, but now it's typically in not. A lot of times they, they, they do go home Friday mornings, I think. Yeah. And, and, and so it's. The, they meet as early as they can. And, well, and on as the session starts winding down at the end, they may. Yeah. Meet on Fridays. Have to just because they're they're just trying to get stuff done. Usually, but toward the beginning of the middle, a lot of times they don't they don't work Fridays very much. Usually, that's an excellent show because people will come out of a vote upset yep. <laughs> because they didn't get what it. they want, and they will say things on the air that typically they wouldn't say on the oh, air. It's usually off. I'll say this is off the record, but when they come out of a committee meeting and uh, everybody didn't vote the way they expected them to, they'll say some things on the record on the record that normally they wouldn't so yeah, it makes for to, a good show we're going to be on the third <laughs> floor again i'm sure i am uh, sending my my text message over to the secretary of state today so that i know exactly where we're going to be sitting up at and so. i'll have you guys over uh once in a while we we'll probably could throw in a few mondays where we could get everybody in there to talk about what's going on and most of the uh uh representatives and senators are very good about coming on the show and and talking about what's going on and some new stuff they may be thinking about putting forth to the to the session and things of that nature and we'll try to get people that are ahead of you know the uh, different uh, committees as far as the treasurer and people like that to come on and talk about well how will this have an effect on uh, an effect on you and things of that nature we try to do we try to keep you up to date on what's going on you remember if you think for a few moments if you can think about about three years ago you can remember what we always did here on the dave ellswick show we're going to get back into that again because we're done with covid done with it forever now Hmm. Finished. <laughs> Finished. We'll always, they'll be meeting, and we'll be there to meet with them. Uh, you know, I can understand from look back at that, that maybe at the very beginning, when they weren't sure what they were dealing with, then we needed to do some of the things that we did. But after that, nope, it was all it a power should, play. Shouldn't have lasted nearly as long as No, it, it was all a power play. Should have been one month Trump. in 2020 where everybody was nuts, but instead they just... Trump should have fallen his gut instead of the experts. Well, I, I think one of the things that... that Especially <laughs> fakey. Well, one of, the, one of the things I appreciate about Mike Pence was he, he did actually kind of articulate 
that you know this is not something that we really should be doing on the federal level. This is something that we need to allow liberty and let people to people decide where they're at, and let especially states the states. I think it's, and so it's, I, I appreciate what Mike Pence said about that. I wish Trump had articulated that better himself. Although I don't think Trump was ever that much of a a, a political wonk to, well, to, he to was, get that far. That's the thing is philosophically, he, it was during that transitional phase. But so he was first he was pro vaccine, and then everybody in the media was anti vaccine, and then there was the regime change in 2020, and then everybody suddenly in the media was pro vaccine and anti Trump. And he he was it was right there during the transition of power between presidents. So like, how would Trump have handled it after the 2020 election? Had he uh, had he legitimately won or whatever? Who knows? Uh, who knows? It's always going to be a hypothetical. Um, but he was reacting to it with caution at the very beginning when everything started. Definitely. Um, but then as soon as Biden took over in 2020, it just they they completely you know seized power and locked us all down. Yeah. Just remember, it was Trump who right at the very beginning said, "Hey." We're going to shut down anybody from China from coming into the United oh, States. Oh, yeah, they didn't and like that. The, the Democrats went, oh, xenophobe, xenophobe, well, they, they, you know. The Democrats were anti-lockdown at first. Remember um, uh, What's-Her-Face going to Chinatown in San Francisco and saying, look, everybody, come to Chinatown. Don't lock yourselves down. Then as soon as Biden took power, what's, what's her name vaccine? is Pelosi. Yeah, Pelosi, hmm. sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> as soon as uh, – she deserves to go into the dustbin of history. Yeah, she me. does. The ash but, heap. Yeah, the ash heap of history. But, yeah, as soon as Biden took over, all of a sudden it was like hardcore lockdowns mandatory vaccinations everything that they were against when when it was the, the trump presidency speaking of somebody should go on ash heap and it sounds like he's on his way there house minority leader kevin mccarthy uh sunday was on uh, with uh, maria bartoloma on uh, fox news i watched it i was watching it before i went to church and uh, made the the statement and renewed a promise that he had made that he was going to remove Congressman Adam Schiff from the House Intelligence Committee if he becomes Speaker in the next Congress. Quote, another change you're going to get, Adam Schiff will no longer be on the Intel Committee when I become Speaker. I promised that more than two years ago, McCarthy told uh, Maria. Twitter user Illinois girl Desi Kevin McCarthy, Adam Schiff will no longer be on the Intel Committee, Daily Wire. In addition to Schiff, uh, what else had he said? Well, he also said that Republican uh, leader says he'll remove Congressman Eric Swalwell, who was dating what is known as being a Chinese spy, and, of course, uh, Omar from Minnesota from their committee posts on the Intelligence Committee as well. Omar, I, I question whether she should have even been she's able one, to be elected she's to married Congress. married brother, right? Yeah, yeah that's a weird. That's just a weird yeah. story. Nobody, the Democrats don't want to get into any yeah. truth on that as far as that goes. But he's going to get rid of those three that really pushed the Russia, Russia, Russia narrative. And, and you can say one thing about that last one you talk about she is friends with a lot of people that are not friends of this country no no no, she's very much a uh, palestinian uh supporter you know well so mccarthy i don't like him i think we need we can't keep having the same people over and over again but if he's actually hungry enough to keep his job to get this position and we'll see if he actually follows through in his promises i know a a politician who follows through in their promises very rare but 
Trump. He can earn our trust. Hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, was he a politician, hey. though? He's well, an outsider. While the heat's turned up, they'll behave real good. But whenever right. one thing they know for a fact is people have a short memory well, and this, a short attention span. They all revoted to put McConnell back. You know, I don't. I just don't know. Good grief. Not I do them. know. There's still yeah, enough of them voted. dead. Enough yeah. of them voted for. Uh, uh, Rick uh, Scott. You know, I don't more think of anybody had. from Arkansas did. No, yeah. they did not. Nobody voted against McCarthy either that I know of. Mm-hmm. I think they all voted for uh, the, spe- you know, very much the speaker. Yeah. 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 It's it's like with him. What you're doing is not working in business. We try something different. Insanity is doing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again and thinking you're going to get a different result. You know, yeah. That's the same thing in business and politics. It's like, okay, this isn't working. Let's try something else. No, just keep doing the same thing over and over again until you're in the grave. Well, that's right. something that's going to happen in the next General Assembly, I believe. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a lot of different things tried that haven't been tried before, Good. have been talked about. But have never been uh, tried. Look, uh, the whole thing about the money following the kids that they're talking about for, uh, you know, universal uh, school choice, that was brought up back in 2010 by uh, Westerman when he was a state congressman. Yeah, they tried to approve a 400-person test, po- test program for $2 million. And they couldn't. The Republicans of Arkansas couldn't even get four hundred two million dollar test program to see how it goes. And I can't remember. Were you on the show, uh, Paul, when he came on and talked about the money following the student? And that, that was remem- that was the way we I could get around Lakeview. I can't remember if I, if I was at that point or not. Um, I've been with you for seven, eight years now. Okay, so I can't remember. That, that we, might, we might have been kind of. <laughs> you came on a little bit after that, but uh, you said that was 2010. Yeah, I mean, think about how much more yeah. we know now compared to 10 years, 12 years ago, when that stuff was being, you know, when they rejected the idea of it. Now we know just how bad things really are. We had an idea of it in 2010, but 12 years more information. Yeah, now. I, I asked the congressman that question once in a while. I've asked him on the air. I said, do, do you feel vindicated at times that this was always the way to go? And he says, I always told him it was the way we should do it. <laughs> I mean, that's but you know too. what? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but a lot of times if you're running for a larger position and the establishment knows they have the votes that they need to do what they want to do, they let people go rogue sometimes to – paint a good picture i'm not saying that's the case every time but i've seen them get permission from the establishment to take a stand well i could i could tell you that uh, westerman didn't get permission from anybody to talk about about school choice that's right man he was because uh, he was he was he had done his homework he had read about it he had looked at it and he saw it as a way and you remember when uh the whole thing with lakeside was had everything balled up you couldn't do nothing zip nada yeah it always ended up in front of the supreme court that was one of those things that kind of frustrating because the legislators and they're still doing it to some extent would just say well we can't do anything because of lakeview it's like I was more ref- the, 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 they hold all the power. Apparently, we have to ask their permission. Yeah, I mean, even, yeah. even Lakeview did. It was even, a it was a uh, Supreme Court decision, so it caused and, all kinds and then, of and then problems. Later, and then later on, we had a, a ruling by the Supreme Court, and I think rightly so, according to the Arkansas Constitution, that no one is allowed to bring a, a bring this a suit against the state of Arkansas in the state courts. Yeah. And so, why isn't Lakeview just done? Yeah. Yeah. So 
what I was referring to was not so much any any uh, testimony about him in school choice, but I, I was talking about the Arkansas health care exchange, Obamacare. Oh, well, yeah. There were some people that went rogue on that to win their election that I happen to know from the inside got permission to go rogue on it to win an election. Because they knew they had to vote. Because so it, it was on. covered anyway. Well, that's it a great on. phrase. They got permission on. to go rogue. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> we can right. Talk, we can talk about that, and we will when we come back. Got to get a break in. Don't forget about PI Roofing. PI Roofing and Home Solutions. Not only do they do your roof now and do it well, and do it professional and been doing it for over 20 years but uh, they also now will do uh, any kind of work you got uh, you know dealing with around the house you need some construction done turn over to pi roofing let them do it a lot of the big construction firms they don't want to you know deal with your house uh, they look at that and they go man we'll make maybe eleven hundred dollars on that we don't want to do that so they let uh, some you know, guy that's or gal that's out there uh, that's a carpenter have that deal. Well, PI Roofing now says we'll put our name up and our uh, our uh, professionalism, and we'll take care of those type of jobs. All you have to do is call them five zero one seven zero seven thirty one fifteen. That's five zero one seven zero seven. 3115 or visit them on piroofing.com. That's PI Roofing and Home Solutions. Speaker of the House uh, McCarthy is that over the weekend, he said that the uh, national defense bill, that the uh, Republicans are going to hold it up unless the President of the United States uh, takes away the segment that says that uh, uh, these people who didn't get inoculations while they were in the military and they're telling them they got to get out they're going to say no 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 they can stay in they can they still said just push the red button there there you go you're on you're hot oh okay the article kind of alluded that he and biden had already talked and have some kind of agreement yeah, they had this. a meeting they had a meeting last week uh, at the white house he went over there and talked with biden i guess he and pelosi and schumer and McConnell all met over there. They, they, there there's there's a lot of there's a lot of that type of stuff that goes on. Uh, but uh, you know, he told uh, Biden that you know he's he's getting rid of shift. You know, you know the reason that he can do that now is because of what Pelosi did about uh, the January sixth uh, group commission because she uh, she said that we couldn't have a any of uh, our Republicans that we wanted to have on that committee, she wouldn't accept them. Well, if you won't accept them, then we don't have to accept yours. Play by their rules. That's the way it goes. Sometimes whenever you do something for the first time that's kind of in a gray area, you better get ready because when the pendulum swings the other direction. The other team gets to do it. That's exactly right. You just set a a new standard. That's kind of like the line item veto we saw in Arkansas. It's like, well... I thought that was against the rules, but uh, if it's not, then uh, but uh, you better get ready because the next time somebody wants to totally change what a bill was voted on, you know, before they sign it, then uh, it will it will happen again. So well, one thing about it is that it it might prevent people from deal making because 
you make your deals, and then the governor can just line at them, veto them your veto your deal out. <laughs> well, at least this governor told everybody what he was going to do before he did it. So, I mean, he didn't – everybody knew what he was going to do, and at least he was honest and told them up front. But it allowed everybody to go home and say that they did not vote to refund Obamacare, which uh, typically – well, that's semi-true. It depends on what your definition of truth with, because uh, they knew it was going to get changed whenever, uh, whenever it hit the governor's desk. But whenever I think of changing the rules and something be turned on, you know, that's my life example of seeing it happen. Well, whenever you change the rules, you always remember it can always come back and still be the rule when you come back, yeah. and it doesn't play to your power. That's just that's something everybody well, that's, needs to understand well, about that. That's kind of what happened, I think, with the Democrats. Is that the, the left has has for years been using the courts to enact their their preferred legislation, and and finally the Republicans are getting on board a little bit and and getting some judges in place who will um, repeal, if you will, some of this quote unquote legislation that's been yeah. that's been passed by the courts, and um, it's. It's and now the Democrats are screaming about it. I think, but it's, but it's uh, finally the Republicans are are starting to learn to play ball a little bit, and it's took them long enough. To yeah, <laughs> you know that's something that's also coming up that I hear at different meet Republican meetings and different things around the the state is uh, the fact that, that there's a lot of people that would like to see judges uh, affiliated with with Parties. the party. So, and, and that uh, could be helpful. I think one of the things is just get rid of their stupid rule that tells them that they can't talk about issues. I, I, I want to know what their issues are. I want to know what judges, you vote for. Yeah, yeah. I want to know nice what these know. guys uh, think. I want to. I want to ask them questions. If this, then what? Well, the thing is that they say to do your own research. If someone's an independent on the ballot, then you just got to look them up and see their voting record. But you know how hard that is? With judges, you can't do it because you can can go and talk to them personally, and they still won't answer your questions. Exactly. I mean, it's hard enough. Like, if we're – if I have to use Google to try and look up anything political, I'm not going to get an unbiased result. I'm not going to learn the truth about any of these people I'm supposed to vote for because all of that, everything in big tech is automatically censored or filtered, you know, to – decry the republicans and support the the democrats and so yeah trying to do my own research to find someone's voting record i'm going to get nothing but hit pieces on them if i find articles at all well you can't you can't get much of a a voting record out of a judge yeah though because i mean you can look at their ruling records but you know even if you want to if you want to um look at the transcripts of the court cases i think you have to pay a lot of money for those things and so it's not it's not as if you can do research easily on judges all right, we got to take a break. Let's do that. We'll come back. We'll talk about this further, as well as I want to talk about what uh, Kevin McCarthy is saying about uh, holding up funding for the military if they do not get rid of this uh, the the law that says if you haven't had a vaccination, uh, you have to leave the military. When you look at how few people are coming into the military, how many people we've lost in the military because of these kinds of decisions. We've got to rethink some things. We'll do that when we return to Dave Ellswick show on Monday. Like that's going to happen to our military, to our soldiers, because that vaccine is causing all sorts of heart palpitations. And I think maybe, but in the, the military personnel, they get lots of vaccines, and some of them are probably harmful, and, and you end up with kind of weird diseases coming or cancer. I, I think another thing. Guys, anyway. I think another thing, Dave, is what's coming back to haunt them. You know, when you give every 
people used to join the military because they would get health insurance and because they would, uh, you know, get uh, medical things taken care of. They get education. Got that kind of stuff. But you know, if you get free education and free health care without going into the military, uh, why would you join the military? Yeah, no incentive, right? (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of people go into the military, like people in my family, who wanted to serve their country. And now, if you go into the military, it's all woke this, woke that, you know. And you don't want any part of that. That's not we, what the military's for. We've lowered morale so much, and we've so much of our popular media has demonized the idea, the very idea of patriotism, you know, to the point where people raised from the. the kids old enough now to enlist were raised you know in the early 2000s you know when all this took over and all of the media became anti-american anti-patriot and they're not going to want to enlist after spending their entire youth growing up being told that america is bad you should be ashamed of your country and who you are why would you want to fight for it yeah well take a look at you know where we are with police in this nation right now it's the exact same you know, thought process that's going on there. Why would I want to be a police officer with everybody that I meet tells me how big of a scumbag I am? Yeah. I can understand that. I, I that that resonates with me. But uh, you know, the the bottom line, if you're in the military, the bottom bottom line of being in the military is this: your job is to go in and to break things and destroy things and to protect this nation. That's the bottom line in the military. It's not, you know, if you're a transgendered individual, you can wear a dress while you're in the military. That's not what the military is there for. And the military has been used for years to, uh, you know, to test all kinds of sociological things on, on people and see how they react to them. That's not why the military is there. They're there to protect the country. We're there to deliver brute force. That's exactly right. They're there to yeah. kick butt and take names. They need to be functional and efficient, but when they have to worry about, well, do we have a special barracks for this person who identifies as something that doesn't exist? I mean, this person identifies as Apache helicopter. We need to put them over with the yeah. Apache helicopters? Do I do I have to, you know, deal a special, you know, dig a special uh, trench for a transgender person? No, it's, it's, you know, that, it's all about I mean, efficiency. that's what we're kind of well, looking at. Right, you know? we, don't, we, don't, we, don't need a, we don't need a drag queen military. Well, I mean, the rest of the world laughs at us when they they see our generals wearing skirts and and high heels, and they just like point and laugh, like, "Oh, they're going to walk all over us." And and that's not that's not an invalid point. That's that's actually some valid criticism because the best way to use defense is to never use it. The best way to use it is to make it to where nobody ever fights you. No one ever engages. That's Ronald Reagan. That's that's the best best thing to use weapons for. The best best life of a weapon for defensive purposes is for it to never get used. Well, you know why Russia keeps releasing for years all those like photos that look like calendar pinups of Putin with his shirt off riding a bear <laughs> and chopping wood because he's the leader of their country and if he looks tough it makes their country look tough. 
Well, we found out that wasn't so true. <laughs> yeah, but you can't. Still, but it's, it's, it's this way. You can't. Publicity. You can't That's take. Right. You can't take Biden and make him look like no, good. this demented old man. <laughs> it's not going to work out. You got to have deliverables. You're going to have a picture of him in front of the military holding an ice cream cone. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Well, we don't want to make ourselves look tough anymore. Dave yeah. is from Chicago. I've, I've heard people in Chicago say you people have to know what your deliverables are. Yeah, they got to know what you're able to deliver they, you, you, this is what you need to know that if you're going to get into it with somebody that you know that that other person probably going to hurt you too that's that's important it's important that it, it may stop somebody from actually taking that last step sure. and that and that's that's actually actually a good thing is it one of the one of the the previous ideas why we don't go into nuclear wars because the mutually de- assured destruction yeah. what the, what the, we don't want to fight because we don't we don't want the the uh, the destruction that is likely to come wasn't that bill clinton that said don't ask don't tell yeah, wasn't that that was a Democrat, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> Bill Clinton. I mean, it works. It's a free country. I don't care what people do Every in their own once house. In a while, the truth comes out of Bill Clinton's mouth. Well, that's it. Every yeah. so often, broken clock twice a day. Yeah, know. that's true. But I mean, it's stuff that he stood behind during his administration. Well, that's the thing is that he he stood behind during his administration, but somehow it became uh, W's fault that all that stuff. Oh, that he sure. Happened, you know, we can absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I was just true, trying to pin story. it on the per- person that it came from. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was true. And hey, what's wrong with it? It's a free country, but uh, there's a job to do. And it's not about you. It's about the job that needs to be done. It's not about you. It's, you don't join the military to make a statement. You join the military to serve this country. That's right. You you, you stand up in well, front. The military is not supposed to be about the bad individuality. Guys. It's about collectivism. It's about getting in there. It's you, the first That's thing they do at boot camp say. is they basically uh, they, they beat the humility you into you. You know, they, yeah. Uh, but you become you, a team at that point. Exactly. Yeah. You become a team at that point. You really do. And and by being a team and having the best weaponry, you should be able to beat the other makes, folks it, that it don't have more, the the weaponry you have and the makes, training you have. It makes you more powerful mm-hmm. to act as a team. It also makes you dangerous. Take a look at uh, take a look at that new bomber. Did you see the new bomber that they uh-huh. t- they uh, unveiled on Friday? Uh, that probably will keep us out of war for the next ten years. The the Chinese nor the Russians want to deal with that new yeah, bomber. Yeah, but we're, we're going to keep spending like we're in war, though. We're going to keep funneling money across the globe to help other people fight their wars. So. Well, we got to make up our mind. Do we want to offer not only our treasure up, but our youth and, and, and whatnot? Yeah. Or do we want to give the money to somebody else and, and fight it through a proxy system? Yeah. And funnel and, you know, launder about 75% of that money right back into, you know, our politicians' pockets. But. <laughs> hey, that's part of, that's part of yeah. it. I mean, that's politics. Yeah. The only way to reduce the corruption is politics is reduce the money going into politics. Well, that's the only way to reduce it. Well, yeah, Everything else government. is a lie. You also yeah. need to be aggressive with, with prosecution and, and seriously punish people. But that's yeah. – uh, uh, unfortunately, I don't think we well, – That's the thing is we, we were talking about, like, this whole Elon Musk thing going on right now where he's just – Got into it. I know, yet. but that it, it ties into that is that he's uncovering all this evidence of election fraud. But who is he going to turn that evidence over to? Like the Department of Justice, the people who are behind the election fraud. Like there's no authority that he can turn that evidence over to that you know and isn't then, governing itself. And that's, and isn't part of the, that's part of the institutional yeah. problem is that we as citizens don't have 
a means of bringing criminal charges against corrupt government officials. No. We have to it's like a bad movie. We have to yeah. we have to rely upon government officials to bring charges against each other. Well, it's actually it's funny. I think it was it was a Kevin Sorbo tweet of all things, but he had a funny one where he's, he's like, a "So good man. imagine if you're speeding and you get pulled over by a police officer and you tell him, "Officer, I'm going to investigate myself and let you know if I committed a crime and if I should I should be found guilty of speeding." Well, of well, course, I'm, you're going to say I wasn't speeding, and so you got to well, wait. Like we or, or, with, or it's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have my friends investigate me. Yeah, yeah, your friends. It, 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 yeah. I'm not going to investigate myself. I'm not that corrupt, but but I'm going to let my mother, yeah. or, what they or do, my, my my brother or my buddies investigate me, and, and then if if they determine that I'm guilty, then the justice is served. But well, <laughs> the, the, what we need to do is pass a, pass a transparency law, and then have the elected officials appoint a board to investigate themselves for transparency. And by the way, while you do it, why don't you go ahead and appoint, let them appoint another board that decides if they get a raise or not, and uh, yeah, we'll have a right. transparency law. We'll just call it issue three. <laughs> and, then, and then the people, and then the people didn't vo- didn't read the bill, and they voted for it. All right, let me turn my attention. Hey, hey uh, Aaron, do we have that segment now with the? Uh, uh, hopefully, Speaker of the House. Okay. All right, we'll get a next break. We'll come back. We got to take a break anyway. Get that done here on the Dave Ellswick show. Let me. Uh, well, don't need to remind you about anything right now. I'll talk about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry at the bottom of the hour when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, so, Aaron, do you have that piece of audio for us now? You do, all right. Here was uh, Majority Leader McCarthy talking to Maria Bartoloma on Sunday morning dealing with uh, funding the military uh, and would they, the Republicans, now they have control of the purse strings, if the president continued to, uh, you know, keep people out of the military that had not gotten a, uh, a vaccine? To be clear, you're saying in the NDAA, which will drop next week, the vaccine mandate for the military will be lifted? Yes, it will. Otherwise, the bill will not move. I've been very clear with the president. The president, I want to, worked with me on this. This is the first sign of having divided government. You got some compromise here, and we've got something that the Republicans have been working very hard, and a number of Democrats, too, trying to find success. But one party rule would never allow that to go forward, and now we're going to have success. Uh, what, what else are you planning, and what have you told the Freedom Caucus? Are you making any changes? Are you doing anything to placate anybody who's actually trying to push against you as the Speaker? Look, I think everybody is respected in the House, uh, regardless of where you are. We've got to remember, we're going to sit at 222 members. So any five members can hold us up for achieving. I respect all. We came together as one conference. We changed the rules, made it more bottom up in the process. So I'm not quite sure why people, maybe it's just personal at this basis, but what it's doing is harming. You know, President Trump just put a a truth out, I think, last night. He's very concerned what's happening. Mark Levin, uh, a number of people. All of these people endorsed you as speaker. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And Jim Jordan as well. Uh, I want to get your take 
take on really the story of the day, and that is, Congressman, this collusion between the media, between the FBI, the DOJ, all in the face of these enormous forces working against us, like the Chinese Communist Party. What are you going to do to keep the CCP at bay, to stop the intellectual property theft, and to stop this collusion and corruption? Well, we, we, it can't be the same as the past. What I'm going to announce this week is a new select committee on China. I'll announce the chair as well this week. Now, that's why we have to start moving forward. We're going to look at every single industry that China has us leveraged in. We're going to start bringing the supply chain back from China to America. You look at from our medicine of what's being made in China. You look at critical minerals. You look at what they're doing around the world. This is going to be a committee of Republicans and Democrats alike focused so we have one policy, one mission to confront China of what they've been trying to do to America and rule the world. And it's the, one of the best things that we'll see moving forward with the new Republican majority. I mean, All right, we will leave it, we'll let it at that. But I want to go back to, he said that he had met with the president. He had told him where the... Uh, Republican majority was in the House and that they weren't going to uh, allow one red cent for the military to be spent. And that's that's a that's a powerful thing. And it's also a very challenging thing to get enough uh, Republicans to stand up and say, hey, uh, we're all about protecting this nation. However, it's got to be done in a way that it's fair uh, to these people that were told they couldn't be in the military because they wouldn't get a shot. So he he's saying you got to let those people come on back in. So and that means back pay and back everything. You know, yeah, it's a good that's a good thing. That is well, a good thing that they're it's, doing. It's actually a, a significant savings in money because if you get people that are already trained, you're not having to pay for new training of new people and and, and all that institutional knowledge and I mean, it, it's a significant investment that they have um tied up in these guys yeah now they're trying to they're trying to do a shift in their military from what i hear from the people well, that are maybe, in there and maybe they so they're wanting to get maybe a lot of the older ones out oh, yeah, yeah, maybe they want woke maybe they want the drag queen military style i don't know i don't know and that, that'll <laughs> make them more um compliant with the, some of the nonsense they want to promote i don't, I don't know about about uh, i don't know either but uh, i don't, I don't know how you guys feel but i would love i wish that at their heyday, Monty Python was still around, and they would turn their attention towards well, that. That's the thing. I don't think I trust any comedian nowadays. They're all. It seems like every comedian, from like Stephen Colbert to Jamie Kimmel, all of them, they all get weaponized. Even the South Park guys were pro vaccine, pro lockdown. Mm. You know, they they all. All forms of, of mass media have been weaponized for liberal talking points, even Monty Python. Is, mm-hmm. uh, now, the old Monty Python, sure. That's uh, what I'm just talking yeah. about, the old Monty Python. Yeah, but you, you notice that they're not allowed to work anymore. You hardly ever hear can. or see from them ever again because they don't they don't uh, toe the line. The only t- well, and that's the only time you hear from them is when somebody yeah. asks them what they think about this new woke culture, and they don't like it at all. You know, during the Vietnam it. War, I was alive during the Vietnam War. War and I tell you what, they weren't walking step in step with the government during the Vietnam War. No. Uh, Laffian, you remember Laffian oh, yeah. was on. That was a very political show, and uh, uh, they drug the they drug the establishment through the mud every show. Well, I would have, I would love to see uh, something <laughs> like uh, the Department of Funny Dances or something <laughs> dealing dealing with uh, the COVID shots or something that they would do for the military. Here comes the judge. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> huh. I mean, I 
Look, there is a, we got to call out uh, the truth for truth's sake. I mean, it has yeah. got to be done. And the only way it's going to be broken uh, is uh, the only way you break lies is on the rock of truth. That's the only way you do it, and we've got to do it. We've got to keep on bringing it forward. This, What's going on with Elon Musk right now, <coughs> excuse me, uh, dealing with Twitter is going to have far-reaching effects about a lot well, of this. You sent some articles to me that read and really ticked me off uh, this morning. So, yeah, Elon is exposing all of this corruption that was going on um, on Twitter behind the scenes, all these backroom deals to squash the Hunter Biden laptop case, to, uh, to censor and delete any person who uh, tried to post about it or talk about it. And even though he's revealing all of this, uh, mainstream media, they're running uh, defense for the Democrat Party. And you sent me that one article from USA Today where all they did was talk about, like, well, we don't know if yeah. these screenshots are, are accurate or not. We can't verify their authenticity. <laughs> um, and, and they started talking about the, the journalist, Alan Tybee, who was releasing that information. They started trying to go on, like, um, go on his record as a journalist to try and discredit him. Personal destruction. Exactly. And they wouldn't even talk about the content of the tweets he was releasing. There's the other one you sent me from thetech.com, I think it was called. And they didn't even talk about Elon's tweets. Instead of, oh, the top five cringiest things from Elon's tweets about uh, big tech collusion. Mm-hmm. And it was just stuff about uh, Elon says that he doesn't feel comfortable in management. What a loser. It's like they won't even actually cover the content. See, I, w- I want to thank you for <laughs> saying this, that because I send you guys stuff from everybody, don't I? Yeah, and yeah. including the ones like, because we can see how both sides of, uh, we can see the reality, and then we can see how the mainstream media is trying to warp and present and that And still reality. cover it up. You the know? New York Times is yet to cover any of it. <laughs> anybody, None of it. Anybody that tries to discredit Elon Musk's ability to lead a corporation is crazy. <laughs> when he, whenever he came out with uh, with all of his electric cars and all the things that he's involved in, I thought he can't take on the big three. Like, There's no way he can do that. The guy tried to he start an independent me, NASA program, SpaceX. He can put people in <laughs> and space. He's very <laughs> successful right? with it now. He's putting people in space on his own dime, and they don't want to trust him to run a social media network. And, and somebody on a talk show wants to discredit him as a poor leader. Well, I mean, just think about it, though. <laughs> well, like, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the hubris of some guy who's who's marginally successful. And even a talk show host may be fairly successful, but compared to somebody who's who's got – Maybe maybe literally a million times as successful. Unbelievable. Right? Well, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying every moment of of this cl- well, of, of the of the transparency and that, all the people who that, are against. Uh, he's brought bringing forth Elon Musk taking over Twitter. His platform uh, taking over Twitter. His, his statement from the beginning has just been: I am going to make speech free again. I am not going to censor people on Twitter anymore. I am going to let everybody who was suspended back on Twitter, and I'm not going to censor the f- the free flow of ideas. And then look at the the people who are against that. Like, no, no. Like, that's that's racist. You can't do that. That's misogynist. You're going to let Nazis have an open platform? You know, they're all against well, the idea the, the of free speech. The thing is, that's the nature of free speech is you can say things that are offensive. You can't engage in terroristic threatening, but you can say things and that are And anybody offensive. with common sense can look at what you're saying and saying either, like, it's wrong or it's immoral right. or just, it's stupid. Just like the television. You can turn it off. Yeah, exactly. You, I, you, you don't can have mute people on Twitter. Stuff. Okay, 30 hey, seconds. Democrats are for free speech as long as you agree with them. As long as their speech. As long as their speech. We've said that for a long time.
time. Speaking their truth. All right. Dave Ellswick show. Bill O'Reilly's coming up. And then we'll be back to finish up the two hours that we've got for you this morning. And then I'll be back uh, at 9 o'clock and we'll talk about Christmas traditions. Where'd they come to? Huh? Where'd they come from? Here we go. High around 55, but temperatures continue to warm up to near 60 at midnight and go to the upper 60s tomorrow. From the Channel 7 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Melinda Mayo. Hey guys, Aaron here with your traffic report here on 101.1 The Answer. Everything's looking clear now. That accident on I-30 South looks good to go. Uh, Coming into Little Rock from Bryant, though, eastbound, looks like there is a lot of traffic there, so be sure to remember that as you're coming into town. Other than that, everything is clear on the north side of town. That's been your traffic report here on 101 The Answer. Let's get back to the Dave Ellswick Show. Stimulating talk with Dave Ellswick. 101.1 FM, The Answer. Let's don't uh, forget about my good folks uh, over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. That's Eric Coleman and his crew. They're ready to uh, meet with you, talk with you, find out what kind of uh, uh, jewelry uh, surprises you want to purchase for that special someone, whether it be out of the large display cases or uh, maybe talking to Eric about something that he's already made that uh, perhaps uh, you want just a duplicate of or, or whatever. He can do that for you. Uh, if you've got a state jewelry, he can look at it and tell you how much it's worth uh, on the street as well as how much it's worth there in his shop because he'll give you a little bit more. And then you can buy stuff right out of the display cases uh, that he might have and then know that he does repairs and he does cleaning as well. He's your all coverage jewelry guy all right eric coleman is the man to go talk to and to uh, see and let him talk to you about those things that are important to you that's hillcrest designer jewelry uh 3000 cavanaugh sweet e they're open monday through saturday 10 to 6 and they're right here in little rock all right Let's uh, talk about the other big, 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 big story uh, that was there starting on uh, Friday and been going all weekend, and that is uh, Elon Musk uh, starting to drop all of these files uh, that he is finding. As in, you know, he's the CEO now, so he can read all the files that the, the former people in charge were doing, dealing with. Uh, Coverage and dealing with uh, censorship, uh, yeah, censorship, censoring uh, people's views on uh, on Twitter. What uh, I sent you guys a lot of material. Yeah. I don't know if you had the time to read all of it or not. But what did you think as you read it? I think that's just kind of it's kind of cool. You got somebody coming in and 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 exposing what happened well, last th- two Actual three years. Actual transparency. Back. We don't see and, that very. And it's often. like this is what happened. This is why I bought the company, and. I want to promote free speech, and I don't want the censorship. And this is the censorship that was going on, and I want this. I want you to know what was going on. The best description the I read leadership. was that they said Elon didn't buy a company; he bought a crime scene, and that's exactly what he did. <laughs> is now he can he's releasing yeah. all of that evidence, all of that proof of what happened, everything that we knew was going on, you know, for the past two years, more longer than that. Yeah, most of us deals with Hunter we're, Biden. Yeah, we were called conspiracy theorists when we talked about that. Yes, and discredited, but now he's releasing actual evidence. And so the media is either 
silent or they're, they're resorting to mockery and making fun of him, you know, to try and deflect from the points. But all of everything everyone's been saying for the past several years about big tech media censorship is true. Everything he's, re- he's releasing proves that all of those so-called conspiracy theories were true, that Twitter was working with members of the CIA and the FBI mm-hmm. and, and the, the Democrat White House. Party and the White House to strategically and deliberately censor media coverage of anti-Democrat stories to sway the election in 2020. <laughs> what I thought was interesting is the uh, different uh, uh, tweets that they were sending between each other, uh, the people who own the company, and saying, messages. "Yeah, when we met, when we met with the president this week, here's what he was saying that we should be pushing." And things of that nature, folks, that tells you a lot right there. And this is from the the president's administration. That's not what Twitter was all about. No. The, the government should not contact a social media network and say, hey, um, there's a story coming out that might make um, our candidate look bad during an election year. We're going to need you to suspend anybody who shares that and to use the algorithm to automatically delete any posts. Or, Mark, it. going the other direction, yeah. hey, we want to let you know that in about three weeks you might be watching for this particular mm, piece yeah, that might go up, out right? and give them a heads up. Yeah. The media, give the media a heads up about what they should be covering. And I believe they were giving voters a heads up. I believe Democrats have had an advantage of being able to communicate each other and be separated from the other side. So I believe they were using it as a tool to get out the vote and to get out a message on who to vote for. You know, earlier we were talking about crossover voting in Arkansas. Well, what if Twitter just sends out a message to all their Democrats that they've got all their loyal people and say, hey, get out and vote for this Republican over here? That's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. So uh, it's an advantage of communication tool, one, to use negative to suppress, but also it could be used to, to help call out the votes to uh, well, either help get conservatives elected. They can also do something called throttling, where you think that your post is being seen by people, your tweet is being seen by people because you're not suspended, you're not blocked, but they're throttling your account. So yeah, your they're throwing shade go, all over you. Well, you know, it's um, – they, they – uh, basically, they neuter your reach. So instead of your tweet reaching thousands of people or millions of people, it reaches only a dozen people, or maybe nobody sees it at all. Um, it's just going out there, and it's um, basically on kind of like a silent mute. And they've been doing that to people. And then there's the whole fact-checking thing. Remember that? Where, like, independent fact-checkers, they'll tag your <laughs> post. And they do that on, like, Facebook. They do that everywhere, but they're doing that on Twitter. And Elon's turned that back on them. He's been independently fact-checking all these Democrats, and they are just screaming about it <laughs> because now they're getting fact-checked, which you notice never happened to Democrats um, in the previous uh, regime of Twitter. And now it's happening to them, and they can't stand it. But fact-checking, and it, it gets so insidious. They were fact-checking people on COVID, on lockdowns, on social distancing. Anybody who was against the vaccine, against that. And it's, it's one yeah. thing to fact check. It's another thing to opinion check. Exactly. And they, they were it's suspending. Yeah, <laughs> if they weren't suspending you for being anti-vaccine or anti-social distancing or anti-lockdown, they were fact checking you to discredit you. And it turns out from all these uh, things that, that Elon is releasing, all these backdoor DMs and, and agreements, all of that was done at the behest of the White House and other military and, and the CIA and FBI regimes 
telling them like, hey, discredit anybody who's anti-vaccine. By the way, you may want to get in on some of that Pfizer stock in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, why do you think a lot of those people are making so much money exactly. while they're uh, up there serving in the Martha government? Martha Stewart went well, to jail for insider trading. Why don't our politicians? Well, because well, they're the, the people government. who write the law. <laughs> exactly. You know, why do politicians, you know, uh, drive Cadillac Escalades and all these expensive mm-hmm. vehicles, it seems like. You you can just watch their cars and, yeah. and, and see why a lot of them, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them got in politics. Well, but anything you can throttle back, like you were saying, you can throttle up. Well, just Artie, like Randy. Those, those are better people. Than, <laughs> they're better people than we are, so they deserve to drive the better cars. Right? I, I they're smarter than we are, and, like and, they're, that, and they're protecting us from ourselves. So the question you need Something to ask like yourself is when you look at politicians <laughs> and they go in and they're worth $190,000. And they leave and they're worth $8 they, million. That's exactly yeah. right. Why? And the reason why is because they are they understand what's going to happen. They know the laws that have been passed. They know who's going to make money off of those laws. The golden rule. And so they go in and they uh, and buy stock and things. They're not supposed to be able to do that. Some of them, some of the politicians put things in a trust so that it, it takes care of things without specifics getting to them. But the majority of people who are elected to uh, uh, positions of power uh, in the Senate or in the House or in the White House or wherever it might be, get inside trading information. And it would, and it would be very tempting to do it. If you know something's coming down the pike which it, and it's going to cause you to lose $100,000, it would be really tempting to sell. We mean 100000 maybe or, or, millions. Or it might be millions, right. Like, you hey, might get a cushy job. Crypto, something bad's about to happen. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm just going to say you may get a cushy job after the session's over or after you've termed out. You may get a... Yeah, job be, at a bank or a college a or something idiot like that. for a few years, and then you go back to the private sector, and you're set for life, right? Yeah. Yep, that's exactly many times the way the game works. All right, quarter till eight. Let's go ahead and get a break in. Let me uh, tell you about uh, the folks over at yourhealthplanman.com. Uh, they take and make sure that your health plan is custom built for you. The things that are important to you are the things that are in your policy. Uh, no government-controlled subsidies are needed. Uh, that then they're crazy and they're going to go away here in the future when it's going to be. I can't tell you, but I can tell you that whatever the government gives you, they can take it away. And it's private health plans that pay you to go to the doctor and are available all year round. And they get the middleman out of there so you don't get robbed blind with horribly inflated pricing. But with your health plan, man, you, the client, get to take control of your health care decisions and you pocket the money instead of the insurance companies and the multiple middle men. So call or text them today, 501-605-6935. That's your health plan, man. Again, call or text 501-605-6935 or visit them online, yourhealthplanman.com. I mentioned this to the uh, the panel before we came on. Iran has abolished its morality police, the uh, attorney general said on uh, state uh, media, after months of protests set off by the brutal beating and, and death 
of 22-year-old uh, Masha Amini, uh, a young woman who was being held by the force for allegedly violating the country's strict dress laws. And uh, they, t- they arrested her, pulled her right off of a, of a corner and took her in and, and beat her to death. Uh, the decision, which was reported by state news outlets late uh, Saturday, our time, appears to be the government's first major concession to the uh, months-long protest movement, which the White House hasn't gotten behind in any way, shape, or form, which amounted to one of the biggest challenges of Iran's system of a authority, authoritarian rule in decades. The morality police was abolished by the same authorities who installed it, said Attorney General Mohammad Javid Matizi on Saturday, according to state media reports. But he also suggested that the judiciary would still enforce restrictions on social behavior. Stores in uh, several cities shut their doors on Monday following calls for a three-day nationwide general strike from protesters seeking the fall of clerical rulers. And again, I'm mentioning this to you because uh, our administration has not taken any kind of stand. That's an interesting issue. Why is it that the Democrat Party seems to be so silent because you got people like omar on their their caucus but but the thing is it's it's they seem to be so dogmatic here in america about um about um transgenders and women's rights and but they don't say anything in other countries but but why is it that when 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 um when the muslims get Really radical and right. killing people, and, and they're throwing homosexuals off rooftops. Why, why is it? Like why yeah. is it that the, the Democrat Party seems to be so silent about they, that? They, they got too many backroom deals going. They on, want people say. to support the leaders in place, whatever the leader is. So it's interesting when you read this article. It seems like that the government really took notice when they started shutting down uh, shops because uh, it was going to cut the tax money if they set, shut all the store downs for three days. Well, they, the, the, all the leaders may not get a paycheck. But why don't we do that on abortion issues? I, I mean, I applaud the people that did this, but uh, I, I feel like you know, after Roe versus Wade, no one should have went to work for the next. Well, this week. is the closest thing to <laughs> yeah. democracy that's happened in the Middle East in, in like the last twenty, thirty years, and it didn't come from American interventionism. It came from within. It came and from their own the culture. Best place for it to come yeah, from exactly. is for them, to, for them to do it themselves. Uh, if we they just, stood up to if, their own if government, we're doing and got it for them. Yeah. The fact is that. Both sides are allowed to get mad at us. No, yeah, but there's no profit for it in us if we just sit by and and let their own culture change and their own people make decisions for their government and enact the change to make to improve their country. There's no profit for America in that. So we have to always intervene and try to you know force democracy on, on all these well, Middle and, Eastern and, nations. And you know, thirty years of fighting an, a fruitless war that amounted to nothing. And, right, but but then the but the big defense contractors can make lots of yeah, money, and exactly. and politicians can make lots of money and power, and they get popular, and they can get their name on plaques in various yeah. different places. Exactly. Yeah, but some people are trying to get some freedom. You know, umbrellas don't work. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's holding, I, 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 holding up a blank piece of paper doesn't work, but they hold up a blank piece of paper 
uh, because if they hold up anything else that really says what they believe, they'll be arrested immediately, and, incarcerated, and in most cases killed. Right. Well, well you're talking about China right now, yeah. And, I mean, that blank piece of paper might as well, you know, say a thousand words because everyone knows what it means. But, again, yeah, like, like you pointed out, the the no word from the Biden regime about all Not these protesters, word. all the white paper protesters going on in China right now. They're just keeping their mouths shut because what are they against? They're against lockdowns and vaccines and all the things that the Biden regime was 100% in favor for over the past two years. So, yeah, of course they're keeping their mouths shut. Maybe they just need not to go to work. You know, they don't have AK-47s, but... Uh, they have an example here when they threaten not to go to work. What if they shut down all the factories well, and uh, there was the no tax money to collect? That's, that's maybe a possibility, yeah. but how do they communicate that to each other yeah. in China? Yeah, because China controls their social media completely. Yeah, and so, so how would they communicate that? How would they actually make yeah. that happen? In China, would the, have the to government give them a pager. locks you down and locks you into your apartment and starves you at, at, into uh, submission. And that's the thing is I, it's really hard to protest, you know, to I'm just not going to go to my job anymore. Like, OK, well, then you're just not going to. Yeah, how do you, and how do you organize or that, they yeah. put you in your, your apartment and they weld your door I, shut. There is no easy. Fire. There is no easy way to freedom. No, there is. The, people have to die. It that's has to be fought for. To, yeah. and it has to be kept. I'm sorry. There's no easy button for freedom and there's no easy button to keep it. If they want it, they've got to be willing to die for it. Well, well. In Norway, they're they're protesting right now. <laughs> Because the government is buying farms and shutting them down yeah, for climate control, that. you know, to, to stop climate change. Is they're starving their own people? They're buying the farms and shutting them down, and then everybody's hungry. Hey, can you remember a pig farm in Arkansas? Well, when you come to the point that they have already taken away your weapons, and the only people who have the weapons is the government, it's a good, uh, you know example for all of us to understand why the second amendment is so important here in this country well, and then also between the second amendment and the right to free speech and the right to privacy when government can sense can, can monitor your conversations electronically and whatever else then they can prevent you from effectively being able to organize to, to go on strikes or whatever it might be and and, and so the, the 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 thing is that, that yeah you don't you don't have the right to Keep and bear arms. We don't hardly have it anymore in, in America, and we have limited no, we right lot, to free We got speech. a lot more guns we in, do in than, our than possession than they do in China right. or than the government Hong or whatever. Well, the did, government did we forget well, about we the Australian arms. concentration camps yeah. during COVID? I mean, that's not we. They've got concentration camps in China. And we, we know about those, but in Australia, a place we consider a first world nation, a westernized nation, they built concentration camps, rounded up their own citizens, and put them in there because they wouldn't get COVID vaccines. They've Ended up their guns five years ago. Yeah, and they had no choice. There was, there was no fighting back. Well, I'll tell you one thing for everybody to remember real quick. Registration is the first step. To in confiscation. Confiscation. Mm-hmm. Everybody just remember yeah. that. And it's an easy one to remember. Right. Well, and, yes. and remember, your, right, your Fourth Amendment rights to be secure in your person's papers and effects, it should cover the right to be to keep your, your possessions a secret. Yeah. You should not have to tell the government what you own. All right, let's take a break, and then I'll get you guys back in here next Monday. Good to have you here today. Yes, sir. Have a great week. I'll see you next Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show coming up at 9 o'clock. Why do we do some of the things that we do on Christmas? Like, why do you kiss under the mistletoe? I'll tell you about it when we come back at 9 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back 9 o'clock hour of the Dave Ellswick Show on a Monday, and it is the season to be jolly, they tell us. 
So I, I thought we would uh, bring an author on today, Michael Foley. We've had him on before talking about cocktails at Christmas time and things of that nature. But he's put together a new book, and it's called, uh, you know, talking about your favorite traditions at Christmas. So, like, why do we kiss under the mistletoe? Christmas uh, Traditions Explained. That's his uh, his new book. So why don't we start right off with that, Michael? Why do we kiss under the mistletoe? Because it's a you know it's a, a freaking weed that gets up in trees. <laughs> it's worse than a weed. It's a parasite. Yeah. If there's too much mistletoe on the tree, it can actually kill the tree. Well, the uh, short answer is the druids really loved mistletoe. They thought it was this magical plant because it was alive and green in the dead of winter and was producing berries. So they would make peace under the mistletoe. And Christians took that custom and added their own signature greeting of peace, which is the kiss. Oh, really? Okay, was was this during the time of Constantine as emperor of Rome that this happened? I would say probably a few centuries later because... The Druids were really only in England and Ireland and parts of northern France. And what's interesting is uh, it's a big deal for us Americans because we inherited that part of the globe. But in other parts of Europe, they don't kiss under the mistletoe. And in places like um, South America, it's unheard of. Oh, so what you're telling me is that you better make sure in the place that you're at, you can do this. (laughs) That's exactly right. I have a... Nigerian student, and I asked her, do you kiss under the mistletoe? And she looked at me like I had three heads. I'm not sure I'm not sure she knew what mistletoe was. Maybe they don't even have it down there. I don't know. Right. You know, I can just imagine getting under the mistletoe and not saying anything to somebody and laying a big one on them and then get whacked a good one because you did that, you know, somebody thinking exactly. that you're way too fresh. What, so what I, made... I did, I did have to warn her, if she does get kissed, it, it may not be sexual assault, and she may not have to contact <laughs> Title IX, so... I like that. So what made you want to write this book? I mean, I mean, I'm one of those people that I watch people do things, or we hear that, you know, you do this or you do that. And I wonder, well, I wonder where that came from. I mean, I'm one of those people that I like to know, where did barking up the wrong tree come from and things of that nature? Well, ever since I was a kid, and this is not a unique story, I've I've always loved Christmas. And I've always been fascinated by the rich symbolism of Christmas. It's unlike any other time of the year because of all the the symbols that come out. But, you know, a lot of these symbols aren't self-explanatory. Why why do we kiss under the mistletoe? Why why do we deck the halls with boughs of holly and not boxwood? Um, And above all, why the Christmas tree? So I always had these questions, and um, I happen to do research on liturgical stuff, uh, uh, church customs. So as an adult, I was finally able to do a deep dive and get some answers to those questions. And there's a lot of weird answers to the questions that we asked, aren't there? Oh, I had so many surprises. Um, The stories behind some of the Christmas carols were very surprising. And probably the biggest surprise was the dark side of Christmas. 
I was astonished by how many legends about witches and goblins and elves, uh, which were nasty creatures before they were tamed to make uh, toys for Santa. I, I was astonished by how many uh, stories there were of that nature. That's interesting. Give us a good example of one of those that you that you came up with and that you found that made you go, ooh, that's kind of weird. Well, winter was a time of darkness, cold, food scarcity, and because of those long nights, it was the reign of evil. So there are all kinds of superstitions. On, on Christmas Eve, you better make sure that all the brooms were tucked away safely in the closet because if you don't witches may fly down the chimney and and start flying around in the room with your broom oh no um and then another one was you should put dry spruce on the fireplace because it emits sparks and uh witches won't come down the chimney uh if you're if they got all those sparks flying up the chimney how about that that you know, I've never heard of any of those things. That's kind of an, I mean, isn't that like Krampus? I mean, Krampus is a, a dark side of, of Christmas, is it not? That is absolutely true. And uh, he was an Austrian demon. and the, But the thing was, he was chained by St. Nicholas. So he was kind of a sidekick of St. Nicholas. And when Nicholas gave gifts to children on his feast day of December 6th, coming up um then uh krampus would be the one who like gave out coals to the the naughty children and there were many similar customs across europe like that so did did things like that it, they just kind of congealed together so suddenly santa didn't bring just gifts but he he gave coal to the bad little boys and girls and things of that nature was it bringing these different uh I guess, uh, ideas together uh, over the holidays. There was a lot of congealing going on, that's for sure. So a lot of this is just sort of uh, pagan holdovers. But the Christians really did baptize these customs. Like with St. Nicholas, St. Nicholas did have a reputation as an expeller of demons in his own lifetime. There was a big pagan temple in the town where he lived, and he is said to have exorcised the demons from that temple. So these are very old stories, and so when the the gospel spreads to places like Austria and they've got their stories about demons, St. Nicholas is the guy who um, conquers the demons and uh, puts them to good use. So the whole story about how did St. Nicholas become, you know, ho, 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 Santa Claus, I mean... The Santa Claus that we know today really came about kind of like in the 40s, didn't it, with Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola played a big role in cementing our image of Santa, and uh, they were very clever. Santa already had the colors of red and white, and those happened to be their colors, so they took that and ran with it. But they they weren't the inventors of the, the modern image of Santa. They were just the clever marketers. It really goes back to the early 1800s that our Santa Claus became our Santa Claus. Okay, and so who came up with that whole idea? It was a group of American authors that 
slowly took the old Dutch stories about St. Nicholas as the gift giver on December 6th, and then they added elements, probably from Norse mythology of all places. They took stories about Thor and Woden, who had chariots that went across the sky pulled by goats. And they took those stories, they took the stories of St. Nicholas, they put them in a blender, and they flipped on the switch. And that's where we get Santa Claus. Wow. This is pretty crazy. I mean, the whole thing, everything that a lot of us think we know about Christmas is just stuff that has been made up over the centuries, then, is what you're saying. It's true. Well, at least with the the earlier legends about St. Nicholas, it was still St. Nicholas. He was still the celibate Catholic bishop who lived in the 4th century. But when he got rebooted as Santa Claus, you know, suddenly he's married. He's living in the North Pole. I mean, the real St. <laughs> Nicholas lived in the Mediterranean, for Pete's sake, right? I mean, it was a huge shift. Wow. That would have been cool if he kept him in, uh, you know, the Caribbean. We might have been all <laughs> having pina coladas for Christmas Day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's wild. How hard was it to dig dig up all of this? Um, some of it, well, short answer, some of it was harder than others. There were a few, there are a few good uh, books on Christmas out there. There's one called the Encyclopedia of Christmas that I liked very much. Um, but it's very, at times it was very technical. It, it wasn't user-friendly, and so I wanted to provide fun stories or more engaging way to communicate these things. That's very interesting. Well, we're going to come back. I'm going to ask you about some things that we take for broke or take for granted right now, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, the nativity scene and things of that nature and where did it come from. Uh, and then I, I looked at this and some information they sent me and it talked about the Jesse tree and the lesser known Barbara branches and Lucy lights. I've never even heard of those things. So you're going to enlighten us, so to speak, uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show on this. 16 minutes after 9, and our guest is Michael Foley. He's got a new book out. He unwraps on uh, uh, for you all of the Christmas traditions that we have. And where did they come from? And how did they get to be uh, so intertwined in the Christmas spirit? It's called Why We Kiss Under the Mistletoe, Christmas Traditions Explained. It's out at bookstores right now. You can get a copy of it. I think it would make an interesting book for somebody's Christmas stocking. So we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to remind you about uh, ICU protection and what they can do for your home, what they can do for your business. If you want security, I mean, we all know crime is up here in central Arkansas. Murders are way up over uh previous times here in central arkansas so how can you protect yourself how do you get the door and window sensors how about indoor and outdoor cameras the doorbell cameras the motion detection the analytics all of that well i'll tell you the way that i did it i went with one firm and uh, it's owned by billy mack he's the owner of icu protection and i uh, really appreciate what he's done for us his business of course uh 
supplies the protection for a Nuke 1 out there towards Russellville. And if they can take care of a Nuke reactor, they can take care of your house or your business. But here's some of the other things that they do for you. They'll talk to you, <clears throat> to, uh, decide how many uh, door and window sensors you want in your house or in uh, your business. Uh, you'll talk to them about how many indoor or outdoor cameras you need and what kind of uh, motion detection do you want, all of that. And when they put it all in, they don't do like a lot of companies and say that would be 500 $600, and you'll be expected to cough that money up. That's not the way Billy Mac does it. All of that goes in absolutely free and comes to you and it becomes yours from the moment that uh, you start doing business with ICU uh, protection and I know what's going through your mind boy Dave I can imagine that the service charge every month is extravagant you would be wrong absolutely wrong Billy Mack was on my show a few weeks back talked about how he figures in it's going to take four years for them him to make any kind of money off of uh, the equipment before he breaks even on that equipment so keep that in mind call him talk to him do like I did I had a long discussion with him and I went with him that's ICU protection phone number 501-205-1333 I'll tell you something else I know All right. He's a good Christian man. He's a Christ follower. And he won't do you wrong. 501-205-1333. That's ICU Protection. You want great deals? We've got great deals. Deals for... So, Christmas traditions explained. Here's a good one for you, Michael. When did the nativity scene appear? It appeared in the Middle Ages, and it started out as a live nativity scene people impersonating Mary and Joseph. They'd have a camel and an ox and a donkey. And uh, it really took off under the promotion of St. Francis of Assisi. Okay. And and why did he do that? Was, was he wanting to keep the Christ in Christmas? Is that what was happening? I think so. And it was just a desire to communicate the gospel with people and share some of the joy And so to have a kind of theatrical presentation was a way of engaging their imagination. That's very, very interesting. Okay, so explain to me about the Jesse tree. So the Jesse tree is the family tree of Jesus Christ. So it's named after Jesse, who is King David's father. Uh The the Messiah is supposed to be from the, the root of Jesse. And... You, what, there are many different. It's a relatively recent custom, but the basic idea is to decorate a, a branch or a series of branches with symbols of Jesus's ancestors. That's interesting. And then there is the Barbara branches and the Lucy lights. I've never even heard of that. So this was uh, the Barbara branches. Actually, would have happened yesterday. December fourth was Saint Barbara's feast day, and in certain parts of Europe, they would take especially cherry branches, and they'd bring them inside and um, put them in a vase with water. And if they bloomed on or before December twenty fourth, you had good luck for the whole year. Who came up with that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's just a way of bringing cheer into the house. And 
Why Barbara? I don't know. Okay, that's kind of interesting. Several things that are interesting. One other thing that they brought up uh, and they sent to me and said, ask him about how two broken organs, a California heat wave, and the Cuban Missile Crisis led to some of the season's most beloved carols. That would make them fairly, fairly recent then. That's absolutely right. So the Cuban Missile Crisis, for example, gives us the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? When the Cuban Missile Crisis was going on in October of 1962, there was a songwriting couple that was really worried about the threat of nuclear war. And, And in their anxiety, they wrote this song. So at the very end of the song, when the uh the verse says pray for peace people everywhere when they wrote that they weren't kidding they were really terrified fortunately nothing happened the crisis passed and that very christmas they had it recorded and it became an instant hit who did it first do you know who was the first yeah was it was it bing crosby I, know I remember he's the one that made it most popular. Okay. I don't remember off the top of my head if he was the first to record it, though. That's interesting. That is very interesting. How about the California heat wave? That gives us the Christmas song, better known as Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. Mel Torme went to visit his buddy, who, uh, his songwriting partner, and it was July 1945. And there was a terrible heat wave in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, nobody had air conditioning back then. And Mel went to his buddy's house, and on the piano were four lines. Chestnut roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. (laughs) Eskimos, you know. And so he said, hey, what's this all about? And his friend said, Mel... I've tried everything. I took a dip in the pool. I had a cold drink. I cannot (laughs) cool down. I thought if I wrote out these images of winter, it would help me mentally cool down. And Mel Torme said, well, you got a great song here. (laughs) And within 45 minutes, he had written the melody and finished the lyrics. Wow. And that very day... They both went to their good friend, Nat King Cole, and said, what do you think of this song? And before the song was even finished, Nat King Cole said, that's my song. That's interesting. That's very cool. And then finally, two broken organs. So with one broken organ, Silent Night, if that organ had not been broken, it would not have come into being. There was an Austrian priest who wanted to celebrate... high mass and the organ was broken so instead he dusted off a poem that he had written to celebrate the end of the napoleonic wars silent night wow and he he, he, war were finally silent and he sang it on a guitar correct um some say a piano he had a friend um a company put the music to it but it was performed that night wow that the Napoleon. That's amazing. That's that. That really is. How did it? How did it get tied into Christmas? Well, this whole thing was took place Christmas Eve. Oh, okay. The celebration. Yeah. You know, so it was first performed, and it was clearly about Christmas. Uh, but you know, he's sort of equating the beauty of 
Christ's birth with the, the silence of peace after these horrible wars. All right. Michael, it's interesting. You always write interesting books. The whole thing about the saints drinking and everything was very, very, uh, very good. Why We Kiss Under the Mistletoe, Christmas Traditions Explained. It's out now. Get a copy of it for a friend. Get a copy of it for, you know, somebody that you really like and give them something that they can learn something from. And, Michael, maybe we can get you on before Christmas here again on the Dave Ellswick Show. I appreciate you being with us today. Let's go to the news. We get that, and then we'll be back, and I got a couple other stories that I want to deal with. All right, we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me bring you up to date on the news so that you know what's going on. Over the uh, weekend, uh, Cody Highland was uh, voted in as the new chairman of the Republican Party of Arkansas, so congratulations to him. I'll try to get him on sometime during uh, this week and see if he'll sit and talk to us about the things that he thinks need to be done here in the the state dealing with the Republican Party. Uh, Rona McDaniel, the uh, current uh, national chairwoman of the Republican Party, is going to have a challenger uh, for the chairmanship, uh, and it's coming from Hamet Dillon, uh, an RNC committee woman whose firm represents Donald Trump, and she's uh, preparing a bid for party chair. That, according to two people familiar with her planning and what she uh, wants to be able to do, Uh, She's been talking with fellow RNC members about a prospective run, and those close to Dylan say a formal launch could come within the next few days. Quote, after three successive terms of underwhelming results at the polls for the GOP, all the while with leaders congratulating ourselves for outstanding performance, I feel that we owe it to our voters to have a serious debate about the leadership of the party and what we must change to actually win in 2024. Uh, Now, given that a lot of the information behind this article is anonymous, you've got to leave open the possibility that Dylan doesn't ultimately run, but selfishly... um, you know, a lot of people are hoping that that materializes and she does run. Uh, the writer of this article is not a Rona McDaniel fan. Uh, Bonchi says from Town Hall, uh, here's his read about this. Uh, Rona McDaniel has been an unmitigated disaster as RNC chair, and it's astonishing she hasn't resigned in disgrace. Since she's taken over, Republicans have gotten mowed down in the blue wave of 2018, lost the White House and the Senate in 2020, and squandered perhaps the best electoral environment in decades in 2022, only barely taking the House of Representatives in what should have been a red wave year. To add insult to injury, McDaniel then made the media rounds bragging about how great she and the party did when it was obvious to anyone with a pulse how huge of a screw-up the election was. Someone who is willing to gaslight their own voters like that has no business being anywhere near power. 
whatever questions she's possessed uh, when Donald Trump handpicked her for RNC chair, they haven't led to an elector, any electoral wins. At uh, some point, putting skins on the wall matters, and doing the same thing over and over while continuing to lose is the definition of insanity. So that's what uh, he had to say about this. And uh, there's a lot of people that aren't happy with the uh, chairwoman right now. And uh, this will be a very interesting uh, run that she'll have uh, as far as trying to retain uh, the RNC chair. We'll have to see how that uh, turns out. Then Scott Moorfield uh, wrote today, if you've ever been to a Donald Trump rally, you know what I'm talking about. The excitement, the electricity, the palatable energy in the crowd. It's almost like a much-anticipated rock concert, only with political speeches instead of singing the music. Some might think that that would make it less entertaining, but if you agree with what's being said, that's not the case at all. <coughs> As a speaker after speaker builds momentum and the ultimate headliner comes on to uproarious standing applause, it's hard not to look around at everyone around you, the tens of thousands of red or blue-clad ordinary Americans, and imagine anyone anywhere not supporting the subject of all this staunch devotion. Such rallies have taken place hundreds of times now all across America since 2015. Trump supporters, including myself, often point to them as proof that the former president's voters were super-duper motivated to turn out at the polls on Election Day. While Democrats campaigned from basements and their supporters locked down and hid for years behind their face diapers, conservatives were living life and getting ready to reward their president with a second term. Except that's not what happened at all, even though Trump did win more votes than any other GOP candidate in history. Turns out, perpetually masked Covidians, afraid of their own shadows, do vote, or at least they can be convinced to turn in their mail-in ballot to Democratic operatives for delivery to the nearest polling place. You can cry cheating, and many, including Trump, did ad nauseum. But you can't argue with the effectiveness of the strategy. Use COVID as an excuse to send a mail-in ballot to every voter, then make sure as many ballots as possible that are returned survive any challenges and are counted. You don't need hacked voting machines to ensure victory if you do that, because we know who is most likely to commit shenanigans on those things during the God knows how many points of contact they have before they actually in official, even honest official hands. Dozens of states, including Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, have enacted provisions that allow voters to request mail-in ballots without specifying a reason. At least nine, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Nevada, New Jersey, Oregon, Utah, Vermont, Washington State, mail ballots to every voter automatically 
Arizona, former swing state that is now hard blue, has gone the mail-in direction for a decade. What could possibly go wrong for Republicans? Well, everything, obviously. Last week on Truth Social, Truth wrote in all caps for emphasis, Remember, you can never have fair and real elections with mail-in ballots. Never, never, never won't and can't happen. Well, if that's true, the GOP is dead. Since the 2020 election, Democrats beat Republicans by nine percentage points when it comes to voting by mail. Trump can whine all he wants, and perhaps some or even much of it is justified. But how are laws going to be changed in these states before they swing all the way blue? Arizona now has a Democratic governor. Nevada just elected a Republican, but the state Senate is still Democrat. Are Democrats going to give up their golden goose because Republicans whine? So is all hope lost? As Lee Corso would say, not so fast. It's time to start at least attempting to beat Democrats at their own game. I know this is hard for some of you to hear, but as it happens, Republicans are quite capable of voting by mail, too, and has been shown in several key California districts critical to the GOP taking over the House next month. They can also ballot harvest. It just takes a paradigm shift that has been a long time coming. Attorney Harmit Dillon, who should be running the Republican National Committee, all right, and we just talked about that, instead of perpetual losers like Rhonda McDaniel, suggested as much during an appearance on Fox News, uh, the Laura Ingram angle last week. She said, we are not chasing ballots, she said. We're not doing what the Democrats do, which is making sure that we hunt down every Republican ballot and get it to the polls and get it there early. Just as a turnout to a Trump rally didn't mean diddly squat about whether or not ultimate victory would be achieved in that state or district, turnout on Election Day doesn't matter anymore either, not in an age of early voting and mail-in ballots. In the states where it's necessary, it's time to get with times. To win, Republicans need to match Democratic efforts and get their own ballots turned in, regardless of whether that voter has any intention of showing up on Election Day. Bank every vote possible for as long and early as you legally allowed, because you're not guaranteed tomorrow, and you're certainly not guaranteed Election Day. It takes boots on the ground. It takes effort. It takes a shift. But if the choice is between that and losing perpetually, the path forward seems completely clear. And I would agree with that. I've talked talked about this a lot, that we are going to have to start doing our elections on the Republican side like the Democrats have been doing for about the last 10 years. And uh, we can see a change then uh, at that time. All right, we got to get a break in. After the break, we'll come back. And uh, uh, Tom uh, uh, Tradup, who is head of uh, uh, the news department for Salem uh, National Radio, 
wrote an a, a opinion piece today that I'd like to read to you. I don't know how many of you have ever been to Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas. The pastor there is Jack Graham. You can hear him on uh, our uh, teaching and preaching station. He's a, a, a good man of God. I, I, re, I record his show every week and watch it uh, when I get some time and pay attention to what he has to say. But he's under attack, and his church is under attack, and this has been something that's been going on more and more, the secular side, the atheistic side of society, attacking churches, and I'll tell you what it is all about when we come back. Don't forget about East End Towing and what they're up to. Uh, They're there to take care of you out on the right-hand side of the road where you broke down, whether it's your car, your truck, whether it's a a boat uh, trailer that you're pulling and a bearing goes bad on it, or uh, it's your, uh, your camper and something goes wrong with it, you're stuck on the side of the highway and you want to get off. Well, East End Towing will get you off, and they'll get you off as quickly as they can and get you to the place that you need to go to get your car, your trailer, or your camper fixed. All you need to do is call them. Uh, Of course, that's 501-888-8849. Let me give you that one more time. 501-888-8849. Forty-nine. By the way, let me remind you that tomorrow on the show, I'll give away a pair of tickets to the tree. We'll give that away. It will be uh, in the, the 7 or the 9 o'clock hour. You won't want to miss your chance to win that. You heard it's uh, been talked about last week, uh, week on Friday about what this presentation is like and how many lights that it has and how much how much excitement that it causes that other churches across the United States are following up on First Baptist here in Little Rock. We'll come back, we'll continue, and we'll finish it up for Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's finish up for today, shall we? We can do that. Uh, you know, the attacks on churches continue to rise here in uh, the country. And I I want to talk about an article, an opinion piece uh, that Tom Tradup uh, wrote. He is uh, the head of uh, Salem Media's um, news department. You hear the news at the top of the hour. He's the guy who oversees all of that. He says, way back in 1907, British Wesleyan preacher William Watkinson observed that, quote, it is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness, unquote. And those words have been incorrectly attributed to everyone from Eleanor Roosevelt to Confucius to many nonprofit charities. Watkinson's simple phrase resonates with most of us, especially Christians, and encourages us to do positive works here on earth rather than simply whine or bemoan poverty and justice and other ills without doing all within our powers to serve our risen Lord in this fallen world. We know that God ultimately invites us to surrender to him in both repentance and faith in the days before his final judgment comes. This brings me to Prestonwood Baptist Church in the Dallas suburb of Plano, Texas. Since 1989, Prestonwood senior pastor Jack Graham has led what is acknowledged 
as one of America's largest and most dynamic congregations, which has grown under his leadership from 8,000 in 1989 to over 49,000 members today, including me, my wife, and our daughter. Its live online community draws worshipers from all over the world. For over a quarter of a century, Prestonwood has mounted an annual Christmas pageant called The Gift of Christmas. It is, in a a word, spectacular. This year's edition features almost 1,000 volunteer cast members, a live orchestra, and several effects, indoor fireworks, live angels floating over the audience, live donkeys and camels walking down the sanctuary aisles, and uh, on stage, culminating with an on-stage performance featuring the Magi, the Three Kings, uh, kneeling in awe as they honor the baby Jesus, the entire cast and the Prestonwood Choir sing O Holy Night as the orchestra swells <coughs> and Prestonwood's amazing high-tech special effects and lighting close the evening to thunderous applause. Before the audience is dismissed, one of Preston Wood's associate pastors offers an invitation for those who have not yet accepted Jesus into their hearts to join him in reciting a prayer. He then asks those who did so to turn on their uh, cell phones, and many hundreds in the audience do so. And this isn't just to show uh, when our daughter, Ellis, was just six years old, we brought her to the gift of Christmas. She ran up to a cast member in the lobby afterward, announced she had accepted Jesus, and was baptized three weeks later. So with all of that as background, it came as a huge disappointment to learn that Preston Wood's gift of Christmas performances this year are being attacked on social media by online trolls who whine that the production is too extravagant and suggest that money spent on the production should instead go to help the poor. The ultra-liberal Dallas Morning News headlined the supposed backlash and blistering criticism by commentators on TikTok and Instagram. Another paper screamed in its headline, Plano Megachurch criticized for extravagant Christmas show. Pathetically, the person who kicked off the controversy by posting a TikTok video of rehearsals for the gift of Christmas admits he hasn't even seen the performance, acknowledges disdain he has for churches, and just found parts of the rehearsal objectively funny. This is the linear equivalent of watching a 15-second clip from Gone with the Wind and then posting a TikTok video that says it's just a boring Civil War movie. I shared a one-minute video clip of the finale of The Gift of Christmas with nationally syndicated talk show host Mike Gallagher, along with links to some of the sadly misinformed criticisms. And Mike responded, I got chills from your video. Anyone who would criticize that not only doesn't know your church, but evidently doesn't know Christmas or the Lord. Which is precisely the point. 
seen the uh, eternal impact on our daughter years ago, as well as two friends we invited to the gift of Christmas this past weekend, accepting Jesus on the spot, convinced me that Preston Wood Baptist Church is doing God's work here on earth. And amid the nightmarish decline of our society and morals, especially over the past two years, the aftermath of making decisions for Christ is the best gift anywhere could ever receive, certainly far better than a welfare check or a free block of government cheese. So with apologies to William L. Watkinson, while I continue to pray for those who scramble to top each other with more hysterical attacks on the gift of Christmas, there's a small, admittedly sinful part of me that does curse the darkness that they embrace so easily. Thousand-plus volunteers and technicians and pastors deserve better than to be smeared and made fun of on social media by Lilliputans who haven't even bothered to attend one of Preston Wood's sold-out performances this year. One day, when some of them are screaming for ice water in hell, it will be too late to repent. Thank you, Tom. He's a friend of mine. I appreciate what he wrote there. And I appreciate appreciate what he pointed out. I'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll get started at 6 a.m. Simone will be here. Uh, the Bible guys will be here at 7 at 9 o'clock. It's Mr. Morris, Dick Morris, Mr. Political Analyst himself at 9 o'clock on the Dave Ellswick Show. This has been the Dave Ellswick Show. Find him on Twitter and on Facebook at Dave Ellswick Show. 101.